Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Yala, Buh. a weekly podcast with myself, Harish, and Terence. We're both from Ministry of Funny. We started making videos on YouTube. We still make videos on YouTube, but now we also like talking into microphones once a week. And we talk about stuff that generally interests us, and we hope also interests you if you're listening. Yeah, and and it could be serious stuff. They could be goofy stuff. Most of the time, it's a mix of both. So I mean. Yeah, I mean, hopefully you will feel smarter after listening to this and hopefully it'll be nice listening to this on public transport in the MRT at a boring family dinner. And we are uh, one day late in releasing this podcast. We typically release on Thursday. But why have we been late this week, Terence? Because we've been working on our writer's room for our TV series. She's a terrorist. And I love her. Yeah, it's a comedy series about terrorism and love. So it's obviously not for Mediacorp. It's actually for Hook. Uh, a platform in, in Southeast Asia that's trying to do the whole Netflix thing. But we'll, there'll be more on that later. The show should come out at the end of the year. Uh, but right now, what we're going to do is talk about our first topic of the day, uh, which is something that happened earlier this week. Actually, it happened a while ago, a few months ago, but it got coverage this week. It is the anti-choke movement. So it was pioneered by uh, an individual who believes that the choping culture in Singapore, which if you're not Singaporean or haven't been in Singapore for that long, is the practice of using tissue packets or other objects to chope seats at a food court or hawker center while you go buy your food so no one takes your seat. So someone started the anti-choke movement. Um, full disclosure, it's, it's kind of endorsed in some way by Singapore Kindness Movement, who we have worked with in the past to create videos about a whole bunch of social issues. Uh, but just, yeah, I wanted to put it out there because we have our own thoughts about the movement. Uh, so to clarify, choping is yeah. the act of when you go to a food court or a hawker centre in not, Singapore, right? You, oh, you said this is yeah, now. Said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I was going so thanks, fast. Guys. I'm like, this, still, this, I'm still thanks, Terence. This is my daily life with Terence. There's only it's two Friday. of us here. It's and Friday. He, and he's not paying attention to what it's, I'm saying. It's almost happy hour on oh Friday. So anyway, no, okay. But yeah. what I'm gonna say is, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think what Harsh is saying, ha- us having our thoughts in the sense that because we've had people who have gone to lunch with us before. And they have said that they're very shocked at certain things that we do while eating. Firstly, uh, we return our trays all the time, everywhere we go. We try to return our trays. And uh, secondly, we actually don't choke seats with anything. Yeah. And and I mean, okay, so I don't know what... Uh, recently, I think it was yesterday or the day before, Yahoo had a poll uh, about what Singaporeans feel about choking, whether it's correct or wrong. And it was kind of split down the middle, it's right? pretty much 50-50 between uh, is, it, is it acceptable, yes or no, yeah. 50-50. So, so why, why do you think choking is, uh, is, shouldn't, be, shouldn't be done? So, okay, yeah, uh, basically what you're saying is both of us don't believe in choking. Uh, we, don't, we don't actively do it ourselves. Uh, yeah, we don't choke. We don't use stuff to choke. We use ourselves to choke. Like, like, like okay, Harish, you sit there and then I'll go and buy food and come back and then you can go. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. yeah. Most of the time it's Terrence like, because he eats super fast. Yeah. So that, yeah. that so, one, so I efficiency, use for efficiency, <laughs> I, I sit there as the cho- the choping thing. Yeah. Then they get the food, they come back. I go and get my food, I come back. By the time, usually, but we still finish food around the same time. We finish our meals at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, okay, I, I've been thinking about it more about choping since the article came out and Previously, I've always been on the fence. Like sometimes I think choping is not that good. Sometimes I think, oh, choping is one of the few things that, that I guess is common in Singapore and maybe it's part of the Singapore identity. But lately, I've been more towards like, yeah, why do we need to choke? And uh, okay, so one big reason is that then if you can, if, if you, it, what I don't like about choping is that it, it allows people to just be less conscientious of how much time they want to spend waiting for food while there might be people just walking around. Mm-hmm. 
So that's one thing that that come that comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of discussion online. Uh, I mean, if you look at the comments for this thing, uh, there are people who really look at it from an economist point of view. Like, what's the most efficient way of getting people in and out of a food court or hawker center? Um, you know, uh, especially if they just want to eat quickly and leave. Uh. So they actually a lot, there's a lot of arguments that chopping is the most efficient way to do it. But um, why? Because basically. The, the idea is that the assumption is that uh, efficiency is the most important thing. Yeah. Everyone's there and just wants to eat very quickly and leave. Okay. And that's why, um, and the hard part is if you buy food and you have to carry the tray and then you can't find a seat, that makes life very difficult for you. Lah. But the same argument could be, like, let's, say, let's, say, okay, let's say there's, there's another Terrence in the crowd who fucking can eat a plate of uh, chai peng in like three minutes. Uh. Mm-hmm. If I'm spending five minutes queuing for my food with my table choked, yeah. it prevents someone from potentially eating a meal there. Uh. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be the devil's advocate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I've yeah. been reading about these economic uh, uh, arguments for chopping. And what they're saying is that basically, uh, it's the most efficient way because there's, the most important thing is to signal to people coming to the food court that the food court is full. When you yeah. look at the tables and you see a lot of tissue packets or people there, you immediately know, okay, it's there are, that these seats are all going to be filled by people within like a few minutes. Uh. So as an indicator of, oh, should you eat at this food court or should you try another place? They say that that's much more efficient than letting than looking at queues. Because from queues, you can't exactly tell how many seats will be filled. Yeah. So they're saying that that as an indicator alone, having tissue packets there is the most uh, efficient way of diverting traffic from this food court to another one. And what do you think about that argument? I I mean, I think that, that some people have even deconstructed it to like run like uh, experiments, assume, you know, everyone huh? takes 10 minutes to queue, 10 minutes to eat and 10 minutes yeah. to, to wait. La. So they actually did a side-by-side of the 100% we do less follow chopping or people who uh, we don't chop at all. And actually, there's there are arguments that the no chopping is much more efficient. Really? Yeah. Because uh. you actually, yeah, like what you exactly what you said. The time that you spend uh, waiting for a table, yeah. or the time that you spend with a tissue packet on the table that yeah. someone else cannot eat, that time could you know like yeah, a very efficient eat, eater yeah. can could have finished his food lah. Yeah, and I mean it's just one of those things that okay, first of all, if you do everything in your life based on efficiency, then why the fuck are we doing like YouTube? Why the why the fuck are we doing podcasts? Yeah, like yeah. I mean, if everything is about oh the the most efficient or the most economic output from whatever you do, then yeah, there's a lot of stuff that people do that they wouldn't do, like. Yeah, if, if you ask me, there's a lot of I read when I read uh, arguments for chopping, there seems to be a lot of cognitive dissonance in there. Like, yeah. I'm not an asshole, but I still do chopping. So they find, you know, some kind of uh, very pragmatic economic argument for yeah. it. Like. So it, because it, yeah, the same thing I asked was like. Why is even the act of eating, right, which is usually something you do with friends or family, something yeah. you do to get out of the office for half an hour, an hour, so that you can clear your mind. Why is that? Must why must it be framed through that usual? Oh, what's the maximum efficiency? You know, uh, most efficient way for me yeah. to get my meal and and fuck off from here. Like. Yeah. In fact, the most efficient way would because like one thing you do see in food food courts is sometimes people who take too long when they're eating. Mm-hmm. You know, they eat and all. But you're talking about efficiency. Get the get in and eat and fuck off. Or tapau. Yeah. Tapau. If you really tapau, that, exactly. my, my my thing is to these people is that if you're really that poor dude who just wants to sit down and quickly eat and fuck off and everything, yeah. you're probably better off just tapauing as well, right? You yeah. take the food, go to your office and, and, and have a humane time for lunch. Uh. So I find that framing the argument as about efficiency rather than what I think it's actually about, which is 
comfort. La. I believe I believe that a lot of these people they feel that their comfort, their own like peace of mind is more important than other people around yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. And to me also, because, okay, if you think about buying food, first you go to a food court, you have to find a seat, then you have to decide what to eat. And sometimes it's all about these little, little battles that you have to have when eating. Like. And it feels like, yeah, the, the chopping thing just get, get rid of, gets rid of one. And, and yeah, like, then you can dilly-dally, go take, because you're, you know your seat is not under threat. Because mm-hmm. I also saw people trying to rationalize it, saying, yeah, if you, if you want to chop your own seats, come earlier. Like. Exactly. But how does that argument make sense? Then if that person chops, then it's all about getting early, early, early. Uh, and it just feels like, yeah, it's, it's just like, uh, there's no end to it. La. Because also if you think about it, then if you can chop like uh, that thing for five minutes, there's no, I mean, maybe if there's a, a ticket that, that blows up after five, five minutes, like a tissue packet, it self expires. Uh. Like anytime you want to chop, right, a timer has to start. If you're not yeah. back in three minutes, it's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's, that's, that's one that's way. One but that means, that means you have to change like the infrastructure. I know there's one food court in Tampanese hub that actually bans chopping. Oh really? Yeah, like the regulation is banned, oh, like chop, no chopping. That's brilliant. But that is it. Is it brilliant? This also feel like, wow, if you want to enter this place, you cannot chop. You cannot do this. Okay, I, I see the uh, quite an elegant solution to it. If you go to the Muji cafes, like yeah. let's say in Orchard, yeah, uh, when you enter the restaurant, there's a little uh, because it's a food, also like a food court kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. There's a little uh, sign or placard you take at the entrance that tells you that says this seat is reserved. It's made of metal, la, so it's like very elegant looking. Yeah. You plop it down your seat, then you can go and buy food and come back. La. Yeah. And because there's a limited number of these things, so once those things run out, then you know that you know there's a lot of people in the restaurant, you shouldn't eat there. And it's, it's, it's an indicator, like what I said earlier, that maybe you shouldn't be eating here because it's so crowded. La. But really the indicator thing, I think if you go to like Maxwell Food Market, you see some empty tables, you see a fuck ton of people uh, queuing up, you would assume that, yeah, like, it's either you get your food first and sit there or you go somewhere else uh. yeah I, I mean that, that's so that's the, what you're saying they're trying to come up with all these economic arguments the, the, yeah the economic the, uh, so yeah I feel like okay let's take the analogy of uh, you, you build a three lane highway right yeah. and then um, one person says oh you know it's much more efficient for me I'm picking up my daughter from the side of the road I'm going to put on my hazard lights and wait and wait in the middle of the uh, wait at the, the leftmost lane mm-hmm. And it's more, it's more efficient because, you know, I, I just pick it up for two seconds and I leave. I'm just here for two seconds rather than I have to drive, make a U-turn and everything and everyone's more inefficient that way. So if 10 people do that, if 10 people put on the hazard lights and block that one lane of traffic, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's a system that works, right? Because everyone just assumes this lane mm. is for stopping traffic. Yeah. And my thought there is like, hey, wait, if, if, you, if would, would people accept that? Lah? Would drivers be happy with that kind of arrangement? Lah? Probably not, right? Yeah. Most, most drivers would be complaining to police or whatever because the point is that it's a three-lane highway and because one group feels that their way is efficient and it, they, it's efficient for 10 of them, they, they have the right to close up their lane and now it's a two-lane highway. So yeah. the same way a hawker centre, it's, it's meant for people to eat quickly. But because some people feel that, that their way of doing things is more efficient, so everyone else has to suffer because of them. Yeah, because I saw people... It doesn't people, fulfill its function. I saw people saying also like, oh, you know, if you're eating alone, yeah, then easy. But what if you're with five people? Then fucking eat, go back, bring it to your office, bring it exactly. somewhere else to eat or split up. Like, you cannot spend... It's so weird. Like in office, probably these people would just want to get away from each other. But when they go eat, they cannot be alone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like just, like just, just grow up and just have... Like sometimes it's actually... Maybe we should mandate that in hawker centers, right? Even if you come in groups, you have to split up and sit individually. Yeah. You know, get some yeah. time away from people. Get some time to reflect. 
maybe like cut off like uh, Wi-Fi and data for just people to sit down and think about their life. Uh. But some of the interesting solutions are precisely that. Uh, that the design of our hawker centers yeah. with the round tables Ooh. is quite it's not conducive to that. Maybe yeah. they should either have long tables where you can accommodate a lot of different kind of uh, Tetris seating arrangements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just standing, you know, those standing booths for individuals yeah. or, or smaller groups. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. But it, it means we can't have that communal kind of Chinese yeah. dinner kind no, of thing. No, if you're like. communal, maybe they should do that thing like they did, they did in some uh, like a noodle prank in Korea or Japan where you go and sit in front of like this thing where you don't know who okay. you're sitting next to then it comes up. So like hawker centers, right? You just these little, little booths that you go in and you, you might end up with your friend, you might end up with someone else. But yeah, that, that feels like at least then you go for lunch also, it's like a, it's like a mystery yeah. game. It's like a blind date. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a blind date. You don't like, you don't like, you just finish your, your chakwetel all fast then you get out. Yeah, so I mean, that, that goes back to the, what, the infrastructure of the hawker center, which yeah. maybe is, is worth examining because sometimes uh, Credit also goes to the government for finding solutions to problems we didn't even realize we had. Mm. Uh, say like something that I, I feel I, I feel very proud of as a Singaporean is actually our, our parking app. No, okay. our parking app. You know the oh, parking oh. app that you can yeah, use yeah. for public parking now. Yeah, we used to have to use these stupid coupons that you had to find some Seven Eleven to buy, and after that you would tear those little bits of paper, then you would throw them on the floor. Or, yeah. lit- or I mean, I wouldn't throw them on the floor, but some people would. Yeah. Some people would throw them on the floor and litter, and yeah. so it was not only wasting paper, but that whole efficient that, that whole approach was just so inefficient. But somebody up there in the government just realized one day, hey, actually everyone has phones now. Why don't we create an app where you can use it to you know note down your parking? And the parking attendant also just checks an app and sees everything. It, and then it was like the most elegant solution ever. You know what the cynical side of me says? What? Is the reason is because when you do parking coupons, it's so easy to cheat the system. You, uh, you don't yeah, like to, yeah, to put it yeah. up. So there's a monetary incentive to create this app because then people can't cheat anymore. But conversely, conversely, there have been so many situations where, oh, I plug the thing, I put the thing down there. Oh, fuck, I just put 2017 instead of 2018. Now yeah. I wasted the coupon. No, I have to replace it No, again. that's why when you put a coupon, you only always push down the back part of it so that if you fuck up you can push it back uh, if CPID <laughs> hey, I never say I do uh. it's like I, I read on Reddit one. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 never, I take public transport on it no, yeah, but yeah, legit, so yeah, no, correct there used to be all these tricks so, yeah. I think there was so much money that was bleeding for it that there was an economic incentive to create an app so what we need to do is find the economic incentive for stopping chopping in some way shape or form uh. but at the same time you say economic incentive but actually with that parking coupon you could get a refund on whatever like even three minutes that you didn't use you know so you feel shook or so. Let's say you... Oh, because it's not 30-minute yeah, blocks. it's not 30 minutes. No, it's, it's in 30-minute blocks. But the moment you say, okay, end my oh, parking you got, now, oh. you actually get a refund on the last like four minutes you didn't oh. use or something, which I think is fantastic. It incentivizes me to return to my car faster. I dilly-dally less. Or oh, that's true, because otherwise sometimes you think you got half an hour, you're yeah, like, 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 like oh, fuck it. Oh, shit. Or maybe you even put even more. You put like hour and a half. You know, like, oh, my parking, I paid already. Should oh. I just hang out here a bit more? Have a buy a seven dollar Starbucks coffee, sit here. That's when you take the parking coupon and you put back the flat. These are kids. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> no, yeah. because now no more parking coupon. Now no more, anyway, uh, no more yeah. parking coupon. But but you said yeah, those with that parking coupons vanished overnight, which was fantastic. Also now there's no more. I more believe la. you still can get if you want yeah, you because some get. people don't use phones. No, and but also because nowadays the when you go into the car parks in HDBs and all, it's all the the, yeah, yeah. the touchless, contactless thing. Yeah. But it's mostly the the public parking by the side of the yeah, roads yeah, that this yeah. has affected. Yeah. But it's so elegant because, I mean, I'll admit, last time my wife got very pissed off at me because I would, 
those little bits of, you of just, uh, I, I don't throw them, I, they drop But you the put floor. them somewhere in the They happen to drop on the floor. floor. They happen to drop on the floor. I mean, so I try my best to throw them, but they happen to drop on the floor. No, and my wife would be like, hey, pick that up. And, no, like, and huh? I think another advantage is you can get out of the car, close the door, and still settle the parking away from the car. Mm, and if you want to yes. extend it, you can also do it remotely. Yes, you, if, yeah. you can end it while walking on your way back if you yeah. want to take the risk that there isn't a parking warden right in front of your car at that moment. Yeah. So that means this whole boils to like, how can we monetize the anti-choping the, the act of anti-choping. Okay, right. question. Not necessarily monetized, but, but in find, use technology to really find a solution for something that I think is, appears like... Ah, you use an app to book seats. Uh. <laughs> what the hell? Like a cystic for hawker centers. No, no. Uh. Okay, but, but I think like what you said earlier was interesting. Maybe some kind of self-destructing choping. Yeah, thing, self-destructing. Right? So like the Muji thing, I think if we combine ideas, right, like Mission Impossible plus Muji plus hawker center, right? Yeah. Solution already. Like yeah. everyone gets this little timer uh, and like if you are a repeat offensive, maybe it can literally blow up yeah. No, but then you might hurt the other people. No, literally, it just expires. Okay, like. it just, to go to blowing it just expires. Up. But let, you remember Michael Jackson, the Thriller music video? Everywhere yeah. he stepped, the tile light up, right? Yeah. Maybe like the table it's is Billie like... Billie Jean, like, dude. Oh, sorry, Billie Jean. Fuck. Thriller was the zombie <laughs> one. Yes, for, in the for, Billie Jean video, yeah. Michael Jackson, everywhere he steps, the floor yeah. lights up, uh, a square yeah. lights up. So let's say your table has that where you tap it and then oh, it yeah. lights up, it's choked, but you have like three or five yeah. minutes. <laughs> You have to go and get yeah. it, your food. Then if you don't come in time, fun, you're right? done. You're done. It's quite fun. And like, it doesn't even have to be that tables changing. Some enterprising guy out there, please invent this thing, guy or girl, please invent this thing where you can just add it onto these hawker center tables. And like, yeah, you can even, like, you know, the, the polyclinic counter, you can see, you can see how much time you have left and which table is expiring. Yeah. Uh, and then you can just, yeah, that sounds like it could, it could be a fun thing. And now also because uh, the, hawker, the hawker culture needs some sort of way to preserve itself, right? And of course, preserving itself involves some monetary boost. Maybe this can be another thing. I know I'm talking a lot about money, but uh, it's also because I think a few weeks ago, they announced a $90 million fund to preserve hawker culture. Oh, anyway, yeah, we're, we're submitting for UNESCO, so definitely oh, okay, okay. there's money. La, there's okay, money. so then going back to Choping, I have a question. Do you think Choping is inherently a Singapore thing or you think it's a, it's a human thing? Yeah, that's so. That's the thing. I mean, like, uh, we we seem to there's this group of people who do celebrate it as part of our culture, and I think in the SG fifty, the official list of fifty things that are Singapore uniquely Singaporean, chopping was considered one of them, lah. And I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like that is necessarily something to be proud of, because mm. like I said, it's it's really a practice that really benefits only a group of people yeah. who who in their own have created this own system that they believe in. Mm. And whenever I ask or I t- ask yeah, foreigner friends what do they think of this kind of practice where where you put down you know your tissue paper or your whatever or your wallet or your or sometimes they use the office pass and stuff mm. like that to, to hold a seat. What do they think of it? Like? And a lot of them appear that they say that it's like a culture shock. So even there was a German exchange student mm. in January who posted on NUS Whispers, a fantastic website for people to complain about stuff on about NUS and, mm. and Singapore. He posted it was a culture shock la, and he found that Singaporeans are so cold and unfriendly because of these things. And it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, the, the idea of communal eating should be a, a bit like very happy or you take the seat, go ahead, you know. Okay, no, the reason I ask whether you think it's a Singapore thing because part of me also feels that the chopping thing, I mean, okay, the whole concept of these hawker centers where you have hundreds of seats and like 20 stalls, there aren't many countries with that, this sort of setup. And I think I've traveled to enough countries to have an idea mm. that it's not, yeah, it's a very Singapore, I guess the one comparison is Singapore and Malaysia, but Malaysia also, they are starting to have more food courts, but it feels like, if you talk about this, these concentrated social hubs where you have multiple just strangers eating amongst stalls, right? 
I do think that's quite Singaporean and the chopping thing is a almost a human nature consequence of that because as I was googling ahead of this podcast I there was this in uh, I think past few years there have been many instances of these resorts in this kind of tropical island things that have almost stampedes for people trying to get the poolside tanning beds the sun beds and people were using towels from yeah. the night before from like 6am 5am and chopping them no? yeah. so and apparently the Germans are very good at it mm. uh, the British are close second and a lot of a, a lot of reports I saw happen in Spain so that's why I was thinking hey, maybe it's not a human thing I mean a Singapore thing maybe it's a human thing it just so happens that the structural setup of eateries in Singapore facilitates that like, because if if you assume most countries have eateries even a big restaurant restaurants you will have waiters and wait staff yeah. A cafe, you also have someone there to kind of guard it. Hawker centre is like a wild, wild west, no? Yeah. And how many countries do you get that? So, I guess what I'm saying is that if you were to open up hawker centres in any country, right, the chopping thing will come up. But uh, I tell you, what uh, what else about Singapore encourages that behaviour? Mm. The fact that we have almost like no crime. Like, so you see people oh, leave yeah. their freaking wallets. I've seen people leave their handphone there and, and, and even leaving your bag there. Yeah, you yeah. go to any other country, even the US or what, you leave your bag true. there. One of two things that people are going to think is either a terrorist bomb or someone's just going to take your bag and run. Yeah. No need to go to US, you go to Malaysia. Eh? <laughs> Remember like the, our Malaysian friends come and they, they see us leave our bag. Like, yeah, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like... No, actually utopia. that's true. Yeah. That's yeah. true. There's almost this thing, oh, I'll leave... Okay, you can argue tissue packets can get stolen, but yeah, yeah but there's this culture that people... Okay, in some way... There's a there's a there's a nice silver lining to it because here is an unwritten agreement that people actually follow. No? Mm-hmm. How often do you see that? Yeah. And 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 I guess only in a country like Singapore where we are all like you know trained obedient citizens would you just accept that as ah oh, fuck I can't see that because there's a tissue packet. Okay. But so, but, but so it's all these little factors that maybe maybe causes Singapore to be a place where this would happen unlike other places lah. Yeah. So so here's a question because uh, I I see the argument sometimes. What's the difference between putting a tissue packet and asking your friend to sit there and tell people to fuck off? Because, that one very clear to me, because in some way, you're making a small sacrifice. Like mm. every time, like every time when you... Also, hold, there must be a sacrifice for that. Yes. Uh-huh. It's all about like, okay, like even you want to reserve a restaurant, right? You have to make the effort of calling, Googling, call. So you put in a bit of effort. Uh. Maybe the chopping thing is too easy. Maybe, so what, if we make them do push-ups before they yeah, can yeah. actually chop a seat? Then yeah, or the chopping, the only thing they can use to chop is like a 10kg kettleball or something. <laughs> they like. have to carry all the way while walking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that should be the thing. Because like, you know, whenever you volunteer to wait, part of me, okay, now I think I'm so used to it, but like, um, because you know, that one also is, a, it makes sense because you eat super fast. La. But if I were to go out with friends, the person who's sitting down, it's almost like, okay, like he's taking Sacrifice. one for the team. Like, yeah, you know? yeah. So it's almost like, okay, you don't want to take that long because this person needs to get food. Yeah. The thing about chopping, right, you use these inanimate objects who are going nowhere, have nothing to do. Of course, you can dilly-dally, take your time, maybe queue up 20 minutes for this bloody meat pork that don't know, comes from uh, God knows where, it's been being cooked for 50 years. Yeah. But yeah. More, more than just, uh, I mean, I think that's a good point because that's something I never thought about, the effort. I mean, the sacrifice that yeah. you have to make. But the other thing about it that, that um, for me, la, maybe, is that uh, to me, meals are not just about efficiency. I don't mm. know for you. La, for you, oh, okay. food is fuel. For me, meals are a way to like, you know, you sit, you enjoy something of, of your culture, yeah. and you share it with people, whether they're eating the same thing or not in front of you together. Yeah. So the idea of having someone sit there and, you know, like tell people, oh, these seats are taken, 
at least there's some human interaction. Yeah, yeah. Like you're actually asking someone, hey, are these seats taken? No, they're not. Or you say, hey, are they taken? Uh, they're not. Please have a seat. You know, yeah. Feel free to share. That's nice. You, yeah, know, you nice. get out. Nice. You, you have conversation with people and we all know that there are people out there who, who you know, they, they don't, can go through a whole day without talking to anyone at all and it's actually very bad for your mind. Isn't that what lunch should be about? You go yeah. out, take a walk, clear your mind, meet new people open up to new experiences as opposed to oh I only want to like meet the same five people that I was with the whole day in the office already and bitch about the same group of people that I see all the time Yeah. so to me it's like it's that idea of like being inclusive rather than uh, and being a human to each other yeah. as opposed to Nah, this is my property. Don't touch. Well, you, you know? mean at lunchtime you like talking to people, eh? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> this is coming from you. For those of you who don't, don't know, uh, if yeah, Terence is, <laughs> yeah, it's so ironic hearing him say this because yeah, this is one of those things that it sounds good, lah. But I guarantee you, if Terence, if any of you see Terence sitting at a coffee shop or hawker center, please go up to him <laughs> and ask whether the seat in front of him is open and just tell me what he says, uh. Yeah. He, he's because he's referencing a very specific incident where we were having lunch with a group of our people we work with and then someone uh, I mean some guy basically came and basically joined us at the table but not only that he started to show magic tricks and unfortunately Harish was seated opposite him and yeah. he had to bear the brunt of, of interacting and like person. the people sitting next to me they were trying to you know extricate me by talking to me all Terrence did right was take out his phone and do don't know what the fuck and he didn't help at all and here, here I was with this guy just trapped because I was eating my food I couldn't go anywhere else I didn't know how to cut him off but I'm damn happy that at some point, he took a piece of Terence's rojak. Yeah. Because I thought, I thought, my, okay, this was what happened. I went to, I saw like Harish being accosted by this guy and I was like, oh shit. So I was like, I'm just going to pretend like he's not even there. I'm going to stand up and buy rojak and come back and eat with everyone as if, you know, like that's our close group thing, right? So I do that, I come back to the rojak. But that guy moves a seat over, gets his own chopsticks and starts eating our rojak as well. Yeah, like Terence counted the number of those statistic things to bring for our group, which was five. And this guy used his own stick his own stick to take Terence's rojak and that's when Terence was implicated and that's when he felt my pain. Okay, so before it invalidates everything I was saying just now, <laughs> yeah. I would like to clarify that that guy was a bit overbearing. He, he was, was really he was. Was invading our lunch. I mean, I don't mind sharing a table, speaking to him one or two lines, but he was invading our lunch and really harassing Harish. La. <laughs> okay, but harassing, harassing, like he was, this sort of, it was a tricky thing because he wasn't being rude, he was just being overly conversational, yeah. which I really didn't want to participate in at that point in time. So I guess that's where, I mean, yeah, maybe maybe the whole food thing, there's, it shouldn't be as robotic. I mean, these kind of things, even though it might be a bit unsettling, in some way, yeah, it guarantees some sort of human interaction. Yeah, but speaking of robotic, there was another thing that I saw recent to this week that I thought might be a good solution. Mm. Apparently now at Changi Airport, when you drive and drop off people, they, rather than have policemen stationed there, they now have robots. They're a bit like R2-D2 from Star Wars. Mm. They actually go around and then they will come to your car if you're parked there for too long and it'd it be a sign saying, fuck off, fuck off. I mean, no parking, no waiting and just uh. asking you to fuck off, making like sirens and noises at you. Are you serious? Serious. And there's videos of it. And then if you don't do that, they do the most Singaporean thing. They actually will take photo, photo and video of your car so that they can report you to the Changi Airport. Wait, so these are actual machines that go Machines up. that patrol, now patrol the drop-off So points. you think that's a good solution? No, I'm thinking, what if we have something like that at hawker centres where they patrol and then they see if people are chopping seats for too long or they are just taking too long to eat in yeah. general. 
They come in there and they ask you, fuck off, fuck off, you're taking too long. Or they start clearing your table of the choke stuff, they sweep all your shit off the table. That feels like, I mean, okay, now you know, as the, there's the, you talk all, this talk about AI and all, you can get people to do that, right? It's kind of a fun job. Uh, but you probably end up in a lot of fights. Uh. That's the thing. No, yeah. okay, to prevent people from eating that long, right? Maybe you should have those kind of uh, cutlery, right? That dissolves after like 10 minutes of touching sliver. So they have oh, to finish they have it. To finish it. If yeah. not, everything collapses. Uh. Yeah, everything collapses. Uh, that, that could yeah, be this whole. I mean, this all kind of plays, plays into this, this TV show idea that Terence and I were developing with our friend, Auntie, that involves a hawker center. Uh. Unfortunately, the people we pitched to thought it was a little inappropriate really they, they haven't <laughs> seen our vision for a hawker center Billy Jean like lights all over the floor yeah, it's just a tech dissolving, hub man. dissolving cutlery robots going around kicking <laughs> up people exploding <laughs> explosions kettle ball choke <laughs> tissue packets my god that sounds awesome man that sounds like uh, another episode of Black Mirror no actually that sounds like uh, an actual physical pop-up installation shit don't anyone steal his idea please because yeah. you imagine the ideal hawker center right, that pokes fun at all this shit right yeah that sounds fun. It sounds like uh, American Gladiators obstacle course. Like, oh, yeah, American Gladiators. Die. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> choke or die. Oh, then one thing that was so funny when I saw this. So part of, uh, part of the event where this anti-choke movement was endorsed, uh, was was kind of gra- graced by Miss Grace Fool. Uh. Mm-hmm. So uh, she's a she's she's a minister of I'm I'm not so sure what, but yeah, she's a minister in Parliament, and yeah, she was a <laughs> advocate of anti-choke thing. Then I don't know whether this is true, but someone took a photo apparently of her at another event where the policeman was chopping a parking lot in a HDB oh, parking lot for her. For her. <laughs> yeah, for her. Oh. And it wasn't, it wasn't one of those hotels where you maybe got reserved parking, VIP. it was just a public thing. So then, I don't know whether it's true or not, but it's just so fucking hilarious. Uh. But, but to clarify, I don't know whether we said this, part of the anti-chop movement was they would put these little cards with mm. the saying, just because you've been doing it for, for, years. for years doesn't make it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that one also, I felt like... Is that the best way to do it? Yeah, I feel that that one that it rubs people the wrong way quite a bit. Uh. That's and why it, yeah. it makes them maybe even more uh, yeah, against like, the whole it, idea. Yeah, like, I'm going to choke. Uh. Yeah. So again, it's one of those things that feels like it makes you an anti-choper or choke or yeah. choper. Which Us is, versus yeah, is, is not really like that. Some people, like I can imagine if it's a really like person who really can't stand much and all and to prevent the risk of having to look for some place to, to eat, maybe they really need to chop it but if they do chop it, then you're automatically labeling them as, oh, you're a chopper, you're an asshole, blah, blah, blah. So would you, let's say you're eating with a group of friends, yeah. you don't really know, or, or theoretically on a date, you know, and then... At a hawker center. A hawker oh, center. Yeah, I know where the date's going. Out tissue. No, it's okay. Just go, go and buy, go and buy. Let's go. Uh, what would you say? Wow. It's, like, it's like the clearing of trays. Like right now, I mean, I, 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 I always do try and clear my trays, but I won't deny that sometimes when I'm in a group where everyone's like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, if, if I, if it's, it's not the easiest thing to say, hey guys, can we clear our trays? Normally, I'll try and preempt it. So mm. like, I'll be the first to stand up and take my trays. Yeah. So I don't actively preach yeah. Uh, and they kind of follow, but with but what if they don't follow? No, actually, okay, with chopping, oh, we uh, don't follow clear trays. Yeah. Then I'll try and make like, hey, you know, guys, you see the old auntie over there, help her. Uh, so you guilt trip them, uh. I guess so, uh, <laughs> Why not? Man. You just clear for them. I mean, no, okay, yeah, actually, no. I think uh, I've done that in the past where I start, uh, start just putting their cup oh, on yeah, my plate, yeah, yeah. and if they're good friends, they they will kind of join in, like. Yeah. So 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 you you sort of do the social guilt tripping kind of thing no, like yeah okay, okay. I, I think the verbal guilt tripping yeah. I don't like doing that yeah. but the social the more passive aggressive yeah, one that okay. one can yeah. and for tissue chopping if someone says hey, chop, I will yeah. volunteer to sit down uh, well I mean 
I will say, oh yeah, no, you all go first, you all go first. I need to check my phone, something yeah. on my phone. That, that's what I would do. Ah, huh, is it? You would just won't try and, oh, because you don't want to guilt trip. I don't want to make it sound like, I know I don't believe in chopping, you know, you're a fucking asshole. Let me just say. No, yeah. you just say, no, you all go first, <laughs> la, you all go first, take your time. But just now we'll use example of a date, yeah? Can you imagine if your date, then you're like. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, that, that's okay, me. but not like a first date or a second date, la. like if I go with my girlfriend now, I'll just tell her. La. Yeah, but yeah, I think she also doesn't believe in chopping. Actually, does she do or not? <laughs> you better okay. tread carefully. <laughs> you're entering dangerous waters. <laughs> That's why, yeah. yeah. That's why. Spend so half an hour invalidating her whole, <laughs> her whole experience. Yeah. So, so I guess we are, we are, we are both clearly not the biggest fan of the chopping uh, movement. Oh no, no, chopping action. But I don't know how to solve it. I think I think we should still consider doing that pop up hawker center of our dreams, where all our ideas were are in place. I think so. And and. Uh, yeah, we're not saying anyone's an asshole. Yeah. Because there's if we have if the truth is no one has really found a good solution yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So so that's that's of course, as always, we would like to hear the opinions or thoughts from all millions of you, like three million people who are listening to this podcast from around the world. Yeah. Uh, you can DM us, uh put a Facebook post. We're not done yet, we're not done yet. I'm just I don't know why I'm going into the ending part because we do have something else to talk about. Yeah. Which is basically moving on to the the slightly less less serious, more fun. This is yeah, this is probably a serious topic for a Bongo number of people, yeah. but then for the rest of us, it's, it's a bit funny. Yeah. Where there was a, recently, there was an SMU professor who was in the news because SMU came out and said that his, the grades that he gave for his class in mm. SMU were bogus. They used the word bogus. Mm. Uh, apparently, he gave all 169 students A, mm. the A grade for his class because he doesn't believe in grading or, or he's done with grading on a bell curve. And SMU, I assume, every class is graded on a bell curve? Yeah, SMU is very much like what our experience was in an American university. Mm. They grade on a bell curve, which is, for those who don't know, is that they, for a class, they always fix the, the percentage of people who get A's, percentage of people who get B's and C's. Mm. And so it doesn't matter if, uh, let's say, if you got 99 out of 100 for the test, which doesn't instantly mean that you get an A. You sort of have to see how everyone else in the class does. If everyone else gets 100 and you get 99, you get a C. You get a C. You're <laughs> the last in the class, you know? So it's no, no guarantee for, it's, no, it's not an absolute value for what your grade is, but it tells you how you are relative to the rest of your class. Mm. So, I mean, it was a SMU professor named Stefano Hani. And, uh, you know, he's like this Caucasian dude with a big beard and, and white hair. So he looks very... He doesn't look like a young guy, like, basically. It's not like he's mm. not like hipster trying to introduce something new. Looks like Richard Branson a bit, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little yeah. bit. And and yeah, so he's he seems like a very seasoned guy with, you know, real credentials and a full professor at SMU, not adjunct or associate. Mm. So I guess this is a pretty interesting argument. Uh, like, really should we be even using the bell curve anymore? What do you think? Uh, uh I mean, a lot of uh, what before what saying what I think, I think a lot of commenters are saying Actually, why are the students making such a big fuss about this? You know, because uh, who made the big fuss? SMU or students? Uh, I mean, oh, sorry, there was a fuss in the sense that there was a discussion. Is uh, a bell curve even a good way to yeah. grade students? Because I think what this professor was trying to make a statement by by doing this was he was trying to say that if all my students are good, if I really believe in the work of all my students, and I really genuinely believe yeah. that, why can't I give them all an A? Why yeah. must I give someone a C and and give someone an A. Yeah. So there was, I think there were some forum articles, uh, forum letters and articles uh. about the bell curve. La. So some people are saying, well, you know, for students, you just got to get used to the bell curve because that's what life is about, you know? It doesn't mean that just because you put in 
that amount of effort means you get that amount of returns. Uh. That's not what life is. Mm. Uh. It's mm. really, are your skills relevant in this time and age versus yeah. everyone else? Yeah. You know, like uh, 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 someone who, a coal miner 100 years ago versus a coal miner today, you know, yeah. very different prospects in terms of jobs, right? So yeah. that's what they're saying. La. Like, just get used to it. La. If you give everyone an A, isn't that kind of sending the wrong message to people that life is, you know, if everyone can do well, everyone can get along, everyone can get the same grade if we all put in the eff- same effort. Uh. Mm. What do you That's think? That's interesting. Because my initial thought after that, I was like, yeah, actually maybe the bell curve is a bad idea. But what you just said sounds equally convincing. So mm. now I'm back to being on the fence. Yeah, I mean, th- th- there is a, there is a, seems to be a general trend of s- so-called safetyism uh-huh. in universities these days. Yeah. Like universities in the US specifically, where, you know, students are sort of protected and shielded from uh, ideas that may not conform with what they think should be the values of the world. Uh. So we've heard of, you know, when you when you hear of words like cancel culture and all that, what it refers to is the act of, say, students protesting against having a certain speaker on their campus. In, in, not in the sense they're protesting against what he says, they're protesting against their speaker just being on campus because it, it breeds a uh, culture of uh, non-safety. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it's, I don't feel safe being here. Mm. So... I saw some parallels here where like, you know, I can imagine students saying, hey, I put in so much effort for this course. Of course I should get an A. Well, I mean, what's wrong with me getting an A? Everyone gets an A. Everyone's yeah. happy, right? But I think what the school is trying to enforce is that, you know, life is not like that. Like, you've got to get ready. You, you want to stand out from the rest, you have to do something to really stand out from the actually, rest. Actually, that's true. Uh, because initially, my, my thought was, uh, when I read this also, I was like, yeah, actually the bell curve, there is a certain level of like unfairness there. Like, yeah. You know, if you, it's almost like, then it makes sense to maybe take the class when when it's less popular or maybe then there's all this like scheming behind it. But then now that you mention it, because I do think that right now, like whenever I hear this, oh, you know, follow your passion and you'll never work a day in your life and all this fucking shit, it's just setting people up for disappointment. Ooh, and I think, that sounded like... like no, I really, think, I really think that's the that's stupidest advice to give any young person out there. And I have to qualify this. Like, if you if you tell anyone that if you follow your passion, you find something you love, you never work a day in your life. It's absolute bullshit because there's maybe zero point zero 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 one percent of people out there who actually love every single minute of their day of, of their work, la. I I mean, I'm doing what I love on the on a high level, but there's so many things about this I hate. And I think if you go into any job or any passion or any love that you have, uh, even when it comes to romantic relationships, if you expect perfection and everything, you're always going to be disappointed. Hmm. So by that notion, I think that education and the way school kind of functions also plays a part in setting people's expectations. And yeah, what you said is true that life is a bell curve. You can can work as hard as you can. You can be the smartest person, but you might not succeed. In fact, not having the bell curve it's almost like a false meritocracy. Exactly. Like you put in, as long as you work hard, you will get an A. But life is not like that. You can work your, yeah, you can work your ass off, you can have everything go for you, but if something fucks up, you get a C in life. Uh. Yeah. So, that uh, is true. So Holy I mean, shit. maybe the professor had a statement to make uh, that, yeah. that the bell curve is crap. But probably he would need to really look at it and say, hey, someone really doesn't deserve an A because they didn't make it to every single class or something mm, like that. Mm, mm. Maybe there might have been a, a more acceptable way of doing it. You know, like, okay, more A's, uh, less, uh, less B's and, or something like that. Lah. Some balance to it. But this one sounds to me like uh, he's protesting against something. Uh. Oh, it means there's something bigger uh, and this is just something to kickstart a discussion. Uh. I mean, you know, professors, they can't, professors can't be fired, right? 
Oh, yeah. they, uh, they I think no, they have to be tenured. Like, I don't know whether the la. thing still works in Singapore. I, I think, think right so. now there's no way you cannot be fired from anything. Uh. Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, even Donald Trump, there's all this talk of impeachment. I don't know whether it'll happen or not, but that's a whole topic for a whole different discussion. Can but be yeah, forced to step down. For forced sure, to la. step down, lah. Maybe yeah, pressure yeah, yeah. to step down. But yeah, that's the point of tenure, lah. But I mean, if this is causing a discussion, sure. But 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 yeah, the bell curve. Because I was just thinking, like, let's say, if you know, I mean. I was, in my mind, I was like, let's say you have 10 kids and you tell three of them, okay, you guys are going to get a C, and you guys are going to get A's, you guys are going to get B's. That's not good. But I think that's too small a scale, so it's not the best analogy. Like, because that is also kind of, in some way, that parent could be kind of telling them, three of you are going to get a C. I don't know which three. It's up to you to decide. It could be some way of motivating them, right? Mm. But but do you think, I mean, because this is university, like, yeah. do you think, uh, because when you talk about kids, like, well, that's a whole yeah, can whole, of worms yeah, yeah, about yeah, how right. to motivate children. Yeah. But when it comes to university students who are usually in the at least eighteen years old, so isn't there some measure of you? You have to be realistic with them also, like yeah. you can't you can't like tell them that you know the world is fantastic. Or you kind of got to to just tell them if you did badly here, just suck it up and move on. Uh. Yeah. You can't be. I mean, okay, you have to be concerned about mental health and stuff like that. But at the same time, when it comes to stuff like you know, like your grades and all. If you didn't put in the effort, you really didn't deserve it. Because like, everyone else did put in the effort. Yeah. You know? And I think, I mean, uh, what was I going to say? Shit, I totally forgot. Um, no, I think the, the the thing about, yeah, like university students, it's, th- there's not going to be a perfect system that's perfect for everyone. But between the two, I've, yeah, there's so many things happening, uh, coming to my mind now that, yeah, it seems to suggest that the whole flat line, if you get above this, means you deserve this is there there are issues with that like because if you think about it when we were growing up streaming was like that right oh you mean like primary f- primary, primary four, four right? streaming yeah, yeah it was above a certain thing yeah, yeah, i don't yeah. know whether it's good or bad um but but that one also yeah but i mean that one in certain ways was like the fact that your whole future or whatever was packed to yeah, a certain yeah. number and if you got like even like 0.5 below it, it you are the same as, the as road, being right? 20 yeah. below it so so that was that is a whole issue on its own, and and they removed streaming right recently. They removed streaming already, yeah, but but I, I was just gonna say that the idea of uh, there, there's an you know like how do you motivate someone enough such that they they want to take on a challenge, but then they don't so feel so demotivated mm. that they, that is too difficult and everything. So there's a lot of there's a lot of um, psychology in terms of how do you motivate people yeah. with grades like that lah. So maybe maybe some kind of different tiers will help rather than just one blanket number that decides every single thing in your yeah, life. But that, that, that was the way that streaming was done. I guess yeah. that's the good thing about the bell curve. It's not, it's not finite steps. Like. It's, it is a curve. Like, right? yeah, yeah, so yeah. you get people at all areas of the spectrum. What do you think if like, as part of the class, maybe they offer some bell curve, some not? Oh, then you make a choice. You make maybe, a choice. Maybe, yeah, actually that'd be good. right? If you're, you're given a choice to whether you want to be in this group that is graded entirely based on... on some some metric la, like yeah. like how how your attendance and and your participation and all these things yeah and then the other half is you're graded more uh, traditional bell because in some way that's that's like life also right there are so many decisions where you could take take and be comfortable and be assured of some success or if you want to take a risk then yeah. it also develops that that skill la. yeah but it's a lot more work for the poor professor though so I I think that's the the thing that is just too mm. much trouble to maintain two different. 
realistically maintain two like different like almost uh, grading systems for the same class. But it's just funny that SMU came out and said his <laughs> grading is bogus. Yeah. Of all words to use, bogus. Yeah. Can you imagine he goes to work every day and his employer just thinks he's bogus. It's like it's like the fake news kind of thing. Uh. Yes. Yeah. Like, maybe this is how, what they use for to say fake news in academia. Yeah, bogus. this bogus. <laughs> <laughs> because fake news is too loaded a word already. Yeah, yeah. fake news is very political. Bogus. I think we want to start using bogus more. It's such a fun yeah. word to say. Yeah. Actually, I, pre- I thought fake news is, is pretty funny. No, but fake news, it just it makes me cringe now every time I hear it because yeah, it gives me an image of Trump and yeah, like yeah. all this other stuff and Pofma. Yeah. When when Trump first started saying it, it was quite funny, like, right? Yeah. But now it's like almost an overused yeah. trope. Right? Like if Shamugam said bogus more often, <laughs> maybe I will listen to him more. Yeah, the bogus law. The bogus law. Protection from bogus. Protection news. from online <laughs> bogusness and po- what, online falsehoods and what? Manufactured. Something. Oh yeah, yeah. But it was, oh, actually, it'd be nice because like, you know, in, in Singapore, we use bagus to say good, right? And there's bogus. Ah, uh, bagus. So, is, bogus. This, is this bagus news or bogus news? <laughs> yeah, that's like a damn good catchphrase. Oh, I love it. That's Mediacorp level, dude. I think, no, I think they, oh, they, they, could, level. they could honestly be a show, bagus or bogus. Bagus or bogus. Hey, yeah, it's like, going like, to come out in a year, in like a few months time, man. And then, and then what, you have to decide whether something's fake Yeah, it's, it's like a game show. <laughs> it's like a game show. You give these headlines, is it bagus or bogus? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Mediacorp, I think you got your great award-winning yeah, that's like, right. game show series <laughs> coming up here. Yeah, bagus or bogus. Wow. Okay, cool. On that, on that light-hearted note, uh, yeah. Uh, we will we will go to to our favorite no not say our favorite segment the the third and final segment of our weekly podcast which is one shook thing yeah. which is where Terence and I just talk about one thing that happened in the past week that is so awesome that we want to share it with all of you yeah so the one thing that I think uh, the world has to see is the HBO series Chernobyl mm. uh, if you have I mean find a way to I don't say find a way, subscribe to yeah, HBO yeah. to to watch it. Uh, because it's actually a, a new mini series, just five episodes, about one hour each, um, from a writer whose podcast I listen to, Craig Mazin, and it's basically about. Uh, actually, it's about similar to what we're talking about, bagus or bogus news. Mm. Essentially, in this day and age of fake news and everything, does how well, what was what is the value of the truth? Mm. So it covers the nuclear meltdown that happened in Russia or in the Soviet Union in 1986. Uh, and uh, it goes into excruciating detail about how radiation sickness affects people, mm. and uh, the way it, it, the way they portray how 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 like radiation as almost as a character as a scary uh, ghost hanging over your shoulder and all is actually fantastic. Uh. So if you want to know a little bit more about history and 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 actually feel very smart after watching a, a TV show, right? Yeah, check out Chernobyl. And the writer also has an interesting story, right? Yeah, the writer, he's this guy, Craig Mazin. Uh, like I said, he's a screenwriter who has a very very famous podcast. But the interesting thing is that before Chernobyl, which is such a heavy topic, his, all the shows that he wrote before this were Scary Movie 2, Scary Movie 3, uh, Hangover Part 2, Hangover Part 3, <laughs> and rom- some romantic comedies that you probably never even heard about. Then suddenly... He's done Chernobyl, which is the highest rated TV show on IMDb right now. Ever. It's ever. It's ever. Oh, yeah. Ever, break, ever. Breaking ever. Bad, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think as of a few weeks ago, I saw there were 27,000 reviews and the average was 9.7. Yeah. And, and, and the show has caused so much controversy in Russia that I think Russia has, has come out to say that, oh, a lot of it is fake news and we're going to create our own version of Chernobyl to let the world see what the real one is. So, so are you saying that people who create uh, stuff that might not be the funniest 
have have potential to create something awesome in the future. You just summed up our <laughs> our existence. <laughs> Except yeah, we haven't really. created that awesomely dark and deep and heavy thing yet. Uh. Maybe hopefully that's our TV show. Uh. Yeah, on the way, on the way. <laughs> on the way. How so, about you? So what's your one shock thing? My shock thing is is just uh, harks back to one of the fondest memories of army for me, uh, which is prickly heat powder, prickly heat cooling powder. Uh, I don't know where it's from, what it's made of, but it's it's in a rectangular can that saved my groin many times in uh, in army, and I think the groins of others as well. But and you I, put it directly on the groin, man. Yeah, like the the in between, not on the not on the, the groin itself, not, right? I mean, the groin is that whole area, like in between the thighs. Okay, the the places where there's a lot of abrasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even like uh, abraded nipples and all that. Um, it's it's just it it burns a little bit, but it's awesome and it also keeps you dry, la. And it was, and I don't think it's a Singapore thing because when I was studying in the US, I brought it there and like everyone there was flawed by it. Yeah, yeah. So it's still it's still out there in the market and all. But recently, I just found out that they have a body wash version, and oh. a spray version. Holy shit, man! Like body wash of Wait, so heat. But what do you mean spray? As in spray? I mean it's just a cooling spray. Or like a deodorant kind of thing. Yeah. Oh. So I mean, in maybe the powder is like the powder because the thing about powder, it gets a little. Then you get powder on the floor, yeah, powder on your clothes. But it, first of all, is there's body wash. Yeah. But I'm also hoping that it doesn't ruin it for me. But I will definitely buy it, lah. But as in, you're looking forward to what the that that prickly heat feeling just across the your cooling, whole. Just a cooling, cool feeling, uh, you know. But what if it gets your eyes? You, like don't, you don't put body wash in your eyes. That's why it's called body wash, right? Okay, when you but sometimes you're showering, you want to wash your face. It's you more use convenient. facial wash. Let's say you don't have. Then facial you close wash. your eyes. Then you just use. And body if you don't wash. talk about things getting into eyes, shouldn't I be the one more worried? Exactly, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Although that was racist, but okay. But no, I'm just saying my eyes. <laughs> no, but but that's the thing. Like I mean. Uh, Can you not? Okay, I just so totally supported your one shock thing, and you're just trying to burst my bubble. No, of no, no. Because I'm asking because I have used prickly heat before. Yeah, it's and awesome. I, but I stopped after a while because I realized like there's just something very unnatural about like having such a burning feeling right next to your crotch. Uh, to be I'm honest. totally fine with it. No, okay. Like, have you gotten abra- abrasion between of your course, thighs? Of course, yeah. yeah. Prickly heat is awesome, but and prickly heat keeps you dry also. But about regular powder? Just regular powder. I don't know. I, I like the. It's almost like okay. I'm gonna burn the shit out of you. It's like, like the mala. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, like yeah. people eat mala. It's like mala thing. between my thighs. <laughs> <laughs> I love mala between my thighs. Yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> don't say anything else, please. Let let it be there. I remember last week also you shared on my uh, one. I'm not shitting on it. I'm saying maybe what we should do is actually try this and then see how it feels. Oh yeah, yeah, I will. Maybe maybe I will try it this weekend and it will be my one show thing for next yeah, week, yeah. the body wash version. Because I admit I haven't touched prickly heat since like the army. Days. I'll bring it. I'll bring it tomorrow or and, Monday. Yeah, and then yeah. you gotta do it. Use the whole the whole body like, the whole body, and then you see how it feels. <laughs> I want to see whether you say exactly the same thing or so. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. okay. On that note, we are. This is the end of the episode. Yeah. So rate us wherever you can on iTunes or or Spotify. I think Spotify Tell you can't rate. Oh, you can't rate. Yeah, oh, okay. You can so share it. Share it on Insta stories so and, rate, and whatnot. Rate, rate on, on iTunes. iTunes I think, whether yeah. bagus or bogus. Bagus or bogus. Thumbs yeah. up. Thumbs down. And of course, we. If there's any way you want to reach out to us in any way possible, just let us know. Yep. All right. Cool. Thank you very much for listening. Peace. Bye bye.